Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, welcome to Connection Point Church and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach, showing us service lead pastors here. So glad you've joined us on this February day. In, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes letters to seven churches, encouraging them to love well, live in truth, be authentic, stay on mission. And at the end of every letter, Jesus says, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers. And then he, he provides a promise for each one of those churches. For each one of those churches who serves and loves King Jesus and and others well. And then we find in another letter that Paul writes that we are more than conquerors. Here's the thing. Depending on what's going on in my life, I can sometimes feel defeated more than a conqueror. How about you this morning? You ever felt defeated? You ever felt run down? Maybe even a victim instead of victorious. Well, as we wrap up our message series in Ephesians today, we find that we are victorious in Christ. We're victorious in Christ. But there are things that we need to do to be able to live in that victorious nature that's offered to us. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. I hope you've got God's word with you today. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that just as a weekly reminder. We want you in God's Word, and not just today, but every day. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we have one underneath the chair in front of you. Welcome to borrow that as we we read through uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and and finish up this message today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible at home, take it home as a gift from the church. We want you to have access to God's Word. And I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we get into Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 and going through to the end through to the end of the book today. And so here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, I mentioned this at our volunteer breakfast this morning. We've been in this series for a little bit now. And isn't it nice? So maybe feel that way this morning. Finally, 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 we get to the end. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor. Pay attention here. Not of man, but of God. We don't need man-made armor. We need God-made armor. So important this morning. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm going to say it in the message, but I want to say it here. May we always remember as a church, we do not war against people. God loves people. We war against those things that influence them toward evil. That's what we war against. And that's why we need God's armor, not man-made armor, because it's only through God's might that people's hearts change. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand firm. Stand, therefore. Look at how many times he says stand. Lots of times here. Stand strong. Stand firm. That's what we're called to. 
Having therefore fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all circumstances take up the shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, the father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been working through the new Testament book of Ephesians defining what it means to be in Christ as followers of Jesus. And what we've discovered so far is that in Christ, we are made new as blessed saints who can endure affliction and who are appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, gifted, forgiven, adopted, loved, and rewarded. What a laundry list! Praise be to God who's done the work for us that we can now live in this, this God-given identity. It is so important, and we mentioned it right at the beginning of the series, the world in which we live wants to inundate us with messages and tell us who we are, but they have no rights. They did not create us. Jesus is our creator. He's the only one with authority in this life to tell us who we are. He's it. No one else can inform your identity. You've got to ask your creator, who am I? And we've been answering that very question. Who am I? You're forgiven. Who am I? You've been reconciled. Who am I? You've been made new. Who am I? So many wonderful things, this inheritance we have in Christ. And from our passage this morning, we find we're not done yet. Because in Christ, we are victorious. Victorious. That's who we are. But before we take a look at how we can live victorious in Christ, we first need to take a look at our world today to see how we are more prone to live as victims today than as victors. It's very true. In their book, The Rise of Victimhood Culture, sociologists Bradley Campbell and Jason Manning, they point out that our culture is quickly moving away from a guilt Based culture, which is, which is most of the time what a Western culture is. We're more of a guilt-based culture, but we're actually been shifting to more of a shame-based culture, something our family's very familiar with, having lived in North Africa and the Middle East. And with this shift from a guilt-based to a shame-based culture comes the ability for everyone to be a victim who's then expected to demand justice for their victimhood. Everything from our food wasn't good at a restaurant. You were a victim of bad food or bad service. So you weren't accepted at Harvard 
because you were a victim of poor academic opportunities and everything in between all those things. It's really how we've been shifting as a culture. And now I want to be clear, the book isn't saying one culture is better than another. It's simply highlighting the differences between them and the effects they have on our society today. But I will say this, one of the negative effects of this sociological shift is that a culture of victimhood can foster a selfishness that's unhealthy and can be incredibly damaging and harmful to people when it's allowed to run rampant in a society. Two prime examples. I'll give you two. And if these don't make your blood boil, I've missed Mark today. 2016, 2020 presidential elections. After President Trump was elected in 2016, protesters poured into the streets of cities all across our nation, Los Angeles, Chicago, Portland, Washington, D.C., and many others chanting, not my president. That was 2016. Then in January 2021, last year, after the election of President Biden, protesters attacked the Capitol building in Washington thinking they could overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Those are the results of a victimhood culture. It really is. And because we're living in a victimhood culture that's divisive, toxic, and harmful, and completely against who Scripture says that we are, by the way, what happens is, is we find that that victimhood culture, it's not tied to a political party or professional background or, or anybody's educational experience. It's a result of our fallen nature, and it's rooted to who we are in Adam. That's where it comes from. So here's what we need to understand this morning. In Adam, we're victims. In Christ, we're victorious. And which identity are you living in today? And which identity were you living in last week? It makes all the difference in the world. And the ongoing question throughout this series is, will we live according to Adam or will we live according to Christ? It's a choice. And it's quiet in here today. What's it going to be, Connection Point? You're going to live according to Adam or live according to Christ? I hope Christ. Greater Lafayette needs Christ. Your homes need Christ. Your neighborhoods need Christ. Your workplaces desperately need Christ. They don't need any more Adam-like behavior. We don't. From our passage this morning, we're encouraged to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, his might, because we are victorious. We're victorious. Throughout Ephesians, Paul discusses Satan and demonic powers frequently. Take a look at it. This is a big part of this book. And in so doing, he wants us to know that we're in a spiritual battle. Even when I talk about presidential elections, it's actually, it's all a spiritual battle. It really is. And if we really believe this, we view life differently. We don't expect comfort and ease as a part of our Christian life, but instead understand following Jesus as frontline work. It's frontline work. But oftentimes, serving on the front lines in the kingdom of God, it's tiring. It's tiring. It wears you out. And this is why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We, we can't be strong in our own might. Not when we're facing spiritual warfare, the phrase be strong here, it actually doesn't quite fit the passive nature of the Greek behind this verb. New Testament's written in Greek. It's actually better stated as be strengthened. Be strengthened. The phrase, as we look at this, what it's saying is to be strong 
God must strengthen us. We can't strengthen ourselves. And this is accomplished in Christ in the power of his might. Praise the Lord. The good news is this morning, Jesus is the strong son of God. He is mighty. And that's all we need. While on earth, think about this, Jesus resisted every temptation from the enemy. Everyone. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. He died on the cross and set us free from enslavement in the kingdom of darkness and brought us in as citizens of the kingdom of light. Today, Jesus rules and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords over all. Everything. Jesus is strong. And so when we live in Christ, we too can live in the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus did on earth and live victoriously over the enemy. It's possible, but only in Jesus. If we try to be strong in our own strength, we'll fail. We'll fail because life is war against an enemy we cannot see. We can't win on our own, but God who sees all, he gives us courage, perseverance, and wisdom to win an otherwise unwinnable war. As victorious warriors of Christ, our lives are about being on kingdom mission with Jesus to set other captives free. Those people who we don't war against because they are themselves captives. We war against the evil behind their actions because we need them to be set free too. They need it for themselves. People are never the enemy. They're held in captivity just as we were. And they need to be set free too. And Christ desires to do it. And Christ, we're victorious. So my encouragement this morning is, let's walk in that victory. Let's walk it out every day. We must walk in victory and help others experience victory too. Though I would say it's far more important to know Jesus and his power over our enemy, Satan. Satan is real. And as Christians, it's important to know as much about our enemy as possible. For starters, Satan is a created being. Therefore, he's not equal to God. Not equal, not even close. His knowledge, presence, and power are limited because he's an angelic being created by God for the purpose of glorifying and serving him. That's what he was created for. But Satan became proud in his heart and desired to be worshipped and exalted as God. So he declared war on God. And one third of the angels joined his army to oppose him. The motivation for all of Satan's work is pride and self-glory instead of humility and God glory. And this helps us better understand some of his tactics and how he opposes God. A big one is our own pride. This impulse within us to be our own God, to go our own way, or to define morality for ourselves, that's all rooted in a self-glory over God's glory. And it all comes from our enemy. The ultimate goal of the enemy, the ultimate goal of Satan in your life is to help you live a compromised and fruitless life that ultimately leads to death. That's his goal. Anything he can do to tank your life, that's what he's after. That's what he wants to do. Besides pride, what else does the enemy use? Another one of his tactics is division. Our enemy loves to bring division 
in the body of Christ. Loves it. Division within denominations, churches, family units, anywhere that he can hope to divide people in order to isolate them and take them out. That's his goal. Because it's incredibly hard to fight against a united group of people, and our enemy knows this. So how does the enemy encourage division? Through unforgiveness and bitterness, gossiping and lying, accusations and false assumptions, all kinds of relational turmoil that can keep followers of Jesus from fulfilling the mission before them. Anything that he can do. Another thing the enemy loves to do is simply distract us. He loves to provide distractions. Keep us busy with kids' activities, busy pursuing nicer homes or better cars, distracted with lots of work, trying to build up greater retirement or a better name for ourselves, busy trying to make our lives more comfortable and easy. There's all kinds of distractions, even good ones, can I say. All kinds of distractions that can keep us from fulfilling the one thing that God wants. Loving people, helping others find freedom in Christ. Pride, divisiveness, and distraction. Three important ways the enemy comes against us. But it's also important that we know the weapons of our warfare. That's what we were reading this morning. Paul shares, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Anytime there is a therefore in scripture, you should ask, what is it there for? (laughs) Really easy to remember that. What's it there for? And in this case, it's because we do not war against people, but against superhuman spiritual forces. So this being the case, we cannot rely on human resources, but instead have to take on the whole armor of God. Human resources don't work. And this is so important because our battle is against evil spiritual forces. Our war is against the evil influences behind the unforgiveness and bitterness, gossiping and lying, accusations and abuse, prejudice and bias, and every other act that's unloving and harmful to others. We war against spiritual forces of evil that motivate evil acts in and through people, systems, and even nations. And what does our passage say? What are the weapons of our warfare? Truth. Paul says, put on the belt of truth. Our enemy is a liar. And if you believe his lies, you will disbelieve the truth that God gives. We find truth in scripture. This is what we talked about in the fall of 2020 with a message on Jesus in scripture. In that message, we found scripture is reliable. It's the very word of God. The Bible is a product of God himself. Scripture is not mere human ideas, but God's divine nature, his character, and uh, will revealed through human words. And it's important we know the truth, believe the truth, and share the truth. Truth, a weapon of our warfare. We also have righteousness. Righteousness to live right with God and right with others. That's actually a weapon of our warfare. Living in right relationship with God and others, it guards our heart. Paul says it's our body armor because our heart matters. It's another weapon, peace. We can bring the wholeness of Jesus, his shalom, into any situation we face. It's a weapon. 
We can pray for people to be healed and watch God's kingdom advance in their life. That's his shalom. Another weapon, faith. Faith is a shield that guards us from bad memories, condemning thoughts, temptations, accusations, and, and other such things. Faith is so important that we've been saved. Salvation, another one of our important weapons. It protects our minds. It helps us think more clearly and enables us to understand God's will and his ways. We talked about that. The unbelieving Gentiles, Paul writes about how their minds are darkened. Well, salvation is the opposite of that. Salvation is our minds are enlightened to the things of God, to life is what it is. And what we've been saved from is Satan, sin, death, and hell. What's another weapon? Scripture. Scripture is a powerful weapon that defends us from our lying enemy. It can be an offensive weapon for spreading truth and setting captives free. We also have prayer. Communication is an important aspect of battle. We've got to be able to communicate. King Jesus is always available to hear from you and to speak to you. And in Christ, we are victorious because he's already won the victory and he's given us weapons for warfare, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, his word and prayer. So my question this morning is, how are you doing living victoriously in Christ? Are you standing firm, living in truth? Are you guarding your heart by living right with God and others? Are you walking in peace, bringing the shalom of Jesus into your home, neighborhood, and workplace? Are you winning in the battleground of your mind through salvation by taking thoughts captive to Christ? Are you daily in God's word, spending time in prayer? Because if not, it's likely you're not living victoriously. It's far more likely you're living as a victim from the effects of the enemy on your life. But that's not God's plan for you. In Christ, we are meant to live victoriously in his name. That's who we're meant to be. We're meant to walk it out, but we do need to use the weapons of our warfare to do that well, right? In Christ, who are we? We're victorious. We're victorious. And so then today as we close, when I ask who you are, we have many, many wonderful things to declare. And I don't want to rush through it this morning. I want to take them line by line because my prayer is these things sink deeply in your soul today of who you are in Christ. So you ready? Okay, let's stand. We got to belt it out this morning. So many things that we are in Christ. So I'm going to ask who you are and you've got help this morning because it's a long list. So they'll list one at a time. And as you declare who you are, then I'm going to declare. So let's live in that. It's so important that you not only recognize, I said, if you know who you are, you know what to do. If you know who you are, you know what to do. Ready for the first one? Come on. Are you ready for the first one? Who are you? You are in Christ. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, yes, we were born into Adam, but we have this incredible opportunity to be born again in Christ. So let's live in that. Can you get me my water? <laughs> I'm not going to make it. <laughs> All right. So you are in Christ. Who are you? Who's the next one? So let's live as saints. 
Your identity is not sinner, it is saint. So live as a saint. Who are you? You are blessed. And so then Christ calls us to be a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And that extending even unto the nation, Psalm 67 says. We are blessed to be a blessing. All right. Who are you? You are appreciated. You're a creator. The God who created the heavens and the earth, he appreciates you. He appreciates you. So then you know what? We should express appreciation to others. We should express that. Make sure we do that. Now, who are you? So let's live as saved. People who have been saved from Satan, sin, and death. We've been saved. So let's live as saved. Who are you? That's right. We've been reconciled unto God. It says in Ephesians that Christ came and he tore down the dividing wall of hostility between people. So may we then live as reconciled with God and others. Who are you? You can. Jesus who said in this life, you will have troubles. That's a really honest statement. If you doubt God's word, if you doubt, you shouldn't doubt it. When, When our own savior says in this life, you will have troubles, but it doesn't end there. The tail end is, but don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't fear. I have overcome the world. And it's Jesus who strengthens us. So who are you? You are heard. You have access to what we call the throne room of grace. You can talk to Jesus, the son of God, and he hears you. He hears you. So let's take time to pray and be heard. And who are you? You are gifted. Jesus died. I'm glad you gave me this water. (laughs) And you have been gifted. I am blessed with water. Thank you. (laughs) You have been gifted. Jesus gave you gifts. He died. He took them from the enemy and said, these are yours. In this room, we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, shepherds. And do you know what gift you have? If you don't, you need to explore that. Enter into the good works that God has created for you. They are yours. Who are you? I'm you. you are new. Who doesn't like new? Who wants an old thing when you can have a new thing? And I'm not talking about the antiquers in the room. <laughs> you have been made new. Who are you? You have been forgiven. Your past, it says it's as far as from the east as from the west, that your sin has been forgiven. It's no longer there. So if we've been forgiven, it's so important we forgive others. Grace upon grace upon grace. We are all a work in motion. And the promise of Jesus is, is that he who began a good work will complete it. So when we live in that confidence, we can show grace to others to say, I know I'm in work. I'm in process. I know that you're in process so we can have grace and, and live in forgiveness. And who are you? I'm You've been adopted into the best family in the world, the family of God with inheritance from him. If you want an inheritance, that's it. You want that inheritance. And who are you? I'm you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Even if nobody else loved you in this world, but let me say, we love you. You are loved, but God loves you. God loves you. So then we should love others. And who are you? You are rewarded. 
Jesus gives good gifts and good rewards that we will all one day stand before Jesus and give an account for the life in which we've lived and we are rewarded according to that life. You look at that. You can see that through scripture. So let's live for the rewards that never perish. We don't need rewards in this life. We want eternal rewards. We want that kind of return on investment, right? You could have something now or something forever. What do you want? Something forever. In case you were questioning that this morning. (laughs) Who are you? You are victorious. So live in victory. You are not a victim in this life. You are victorious in Christ. So let's live in that. And here is the summary statement we started with and we're going to end with because you know what? That's a long list of things to remember. (laughs) But I think you can remember this one. This is the one I rehearse with our kids as we drop them off at school. I ask them, who are you and where do you live? If you know those two things, it's amazing how you can navigate life. Anything that comes. If you know this truth, you know incredible truth. All right, so last one this morning. Who are you? Praise the Lord. This is who we are. This is why it's such good news that we have to share to others. Because without Christ, we don't have this. We don't have this. But in Christ, we do. So we're going to close in song this morning. But before we do, if you're here today, And as we walk through that list of who we are, you realize I have not been living in my Christ identity. I've been living into the identity I was born into in Adam, which is minus all of those good things. But that is not where you want to keep living. But today you would say, I want to live in Christ. I want to live forgiven, adopted, loved, rewarded, reconciled, new, blessed as a saint. All of those things. You'd say, that's, that's how I want to live. With every head bowed in the room this morning, and you recognize you've been living in Adam, but now you want to be say, I, I don't want to live in that identity anymore. It's not working for me. It's not working. I want to live in Christ instead. I want you to raise your hand in a moment so I can pray with you and, and just believe with you and encourage you that you can live in that identity in Christ. So who here today would say, that's me. I've been living in my old identity in Adam that I've been born into. I've never really been born into my new identity in Christ. Who here today would say, that's me. That's me, but I want to live in Christ today. That's me. I want to live in him. Over here on the right, anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to live in Christ today. I want to live in the identity that he's given me, that he died on the cross for and rose again from the dead. God, we just thank you for the identity that you have given us as our creator. You're it. We don't need to pay attention to the world's messaging and what they want to tell us, who they would say that we are, because we already have been given our identity, and we're not going to forget it. We're not going to forget who we are in Christ, like Adam and Eve did. They were already made in God's image, but then Satan comes and says, you can be like God. It's like they forgot. You already were. And so, God, we're not going to forget. We're going to remember who we are in Christ, and we're going to live in that Christ-like identity today. But not just today, tomorrow too. 
and the next day, this week, this month, this year. God, our world needs to see people living in Christ who aren't living as victims, but as victors in your name, victoriously walking in humility for your glory, not their own self-glory. And so God, I just pray for those that raised their hand or maybe those that did not, but, but understand they need to be living in Christ today. I pray, God, that you would strengthen them. Pray that you would firm up their identity in you, that they could walk in it. And God, we just trust you for increase. We trust you to complete the work that you have begun. So Lord, as we trust and have that faith, I pray, God, that we would walk it out, that tomorrow morning when we get up and we get dressed, that we'd put Jesus on. We'd put on his character of love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness so that we could help set other captives free too. Help us live free and help us set others free. And we believe you for that work, King Jesus. In your precious name we pray. For you are the strong son of God. Amen.